0: My name is Pastor Mark and I'm one of the pastors on staff here and specifically I'm pastor of the 50 plus, which means a number of people in their 50s run from me when they see me coming because <laughs> they don't like that word senior. We don't use it by the way. We're, 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 uh, we're different. We, we're, we're enduring engaging people and there's a long story to that. But this Friday night uh, shameless plug. We're having a zoom meeting online. So if you're watching and you've got a parent or someone who's not watching, tell them about it, help them to get on that zoom meeting. There's a link going to realm. If you don't know what realm is, realm is the Facebook of grace covenant church. That's the best way I can describe it. That exciting name realm alone should really just kind of do it. Okay. My notes disappeared. That's not good. All right. Uh, Come back notes. There we go. Uh, we are in a, a four-week series, as was mentioned by HB earlier. The series is called Prayers That Change the World. First uh, week, two weeks ago, Pastor Sean shared prayer that changes individual, individuals. Last week, Pastor Corey shared on prayer that changes leaders. And tonight's topic that I've been assigned is prayer that wins the city. Those are bold titles, you know? Prayer that wins the cities. That's audacious, isn't it? You know, they, they say coaches, you know, who come on, they get hired and they say, our goal is to win the Super Bowl. That that's arrogant. Well, why, why did they get hired? I mean, what are they? What are, well, we're just going to try hard. No, they're going to, they want to win the Super Bowl. Well, we want to win the city. And it just so happens that we have a champion who's quite good at that sort of thing. And as we sing very often, he's never lost a battle. I'd like for you to look with me at a passage. It's a familiar passage to many of you. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And it's amazing. We've got all these versions of the Bible in our language. It's just phenomenal, isn't it? So I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Uh, And I'm just going to read three verses. Verse 3, 4, and 5. We're going to make this as simple as we can tonight. And Paul is writing, and I'll just say that this is an aside, because Paul is beginning his defense of his apostleship because he had a very immature church on his hands, and they were hearing uh, ugly things about him from other people who really wanted their affection. And this happens in the ministry a lot. People who are fleshly and immature. They want power and they want power over people. And they were jealous that these, that these Corinthians looked to Paul as their father and the Lord, and they were trying to win them away. And so he begins this defense, but we're not going there. He makes this aside and Paul's asides are just absolutely amazing. And this is one of them. Verses three through five, he writes this for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Wow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Open our ears. Open our hearts. Make prayer warriors in this room and online tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to look at three things from this passage. Uh, we're talking about prayer that wins the city. And there's very three very important aspects here. Uh, Prayer that uh, wins the city involves spiritual warfare. Prayer that wins the city involves spiritual weapons. And prayer that wins the city involves spiritual objectives. I do want to say this. There's a lot of prayer that I won't cover tonight. There are many aspects of winning the city that I won't cover tonight. What I'm going to cover is narrowly focused... But it's important because it is so often neglected by so many churches. In fact, there's entire branches of the church that really don't even understand or, or much believe in the kind of prayer that I'm going to talk about tonight. And, uh, but this type of prayer is extremely important. And it's the starting point for all else that we do in winning others and in winning our city. So I'm going to focus on this oft-neglected topic. And first thing, prayer that wins the city is spiritual warfare. Look at the language Paul uses in verse 3. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, what he's saying is, though we live in physical bodies, and by the way, if you're not in a physical body here, you're not here, right? (laughs) You know, this is our earth suit. We've got to have these to stay here. When this dies, guess what? We go somewhere else. We fly away, as the old song says. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war in the flesh. We read over these things sometimes and kind of pass over it, but he just said that we're at war. That's, That's the most significant thing I see in that. We are in a spiritual war, a spiritual war. And that means that we're not fighting people's bodies. we're not fighting uh, human beings. In fact, we're fighting for human beings. And that's important. So we're not fighting a battle that's against people. It's a spiritual battle. And a lot of people think when they, when they hear that spiritual, they think, you know, oh, enthusiasm. And the, the, no, we are fighting a, a battle that starts in a heavenly realm that is different than the physical realm, but interacts with the physical realm. And this spiritual realm is infested with fallen demonic personalities. The ultimate one is Satan. He's not, he's not like God, he's not omnipotent, he can't be everywhere at once, but he has all these minions and he has all these imp demons that he sends out and there's some coordination among them and they work to try to thwart the church of Jesus Christ and the people of God and the work of God. That's what they're up to. And one of the ways that he's working so well is that he's convincing a lot of the body of Christ that either they don't exist or if they do exist, that you don't really engage them in war. But we're called, we're not called to simply know about them or to uh, pray about them. We are called to engage them and to attack them. Amen. Praise the Lord. (laughs) They're evil forces. Jesus in Luke uh, 10, he sent out 72 on a mission. And they came back and they were so excited. And hear what they said. The 72 returned with joy. And they were saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Wow. First of all, there's a presupposition that there are demons. I know a lot of people in our world don't believe in demons. They must not read the newspaper. They say, oh, mankind is basically good. They must not read the newspapers or the news whatever they're called today, the, the online, they're not reading their devices. What's wrong with these people? So he says, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And this is before the whole baptism of the Holy spirit came down on, uh, on in acts one. And then verse 18, he says to them, well, he was rejoicing with them. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Church, Last Friday night, we had a praise meeting in here. And, and, and a lot of people would come in and they would look at this and say, Oh, look at that enthusiasm. They really believe what they're singing. Isn't that, isn't that quaint? Isn't that wonderful? You know what Jesus saw? He saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. You want to know why people come to believe when they didn't believe? You want to know why people begin to be healed or people experience or have a hunger for Christ when they didn't have a hunger for Christ before? Because we pray and we intercede. We engage the evil that is in that realm and we cause it to fall. And it breaks the power of them uh, of, of the power over them that is holding them uh, in doubt and unbelief. Captive to do the will of Satan. Jesus talked about this. Captives. Paul talks about this. Captive to do his will. Paul in Ephesians says, we, that is the church, do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Once again, there it is. We're not at war with people. What is wrong with the church? We are not going to win this battle by posting online or by simply, you know, uh, arguing Uh, politics are arguing stuff. Politics is important. All that stuff's important. But I'm talking about our focus and I'm talking about our our warfare. We are at war with evil and in order to win that neighbor or that friend or that family member, you have to win the evil that is at work in their mind. You know, before we can set, before we can set the captives free, we got to break the bonds of iron. We got to bust them out. We got to bust the prison doors in. He says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against uh, rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil, where? In the heavenly places or in a heavenly realm. That realm is in this room, but it's a different realm. And uh, we interact with it. So like all wars, spiritual warfare involves Aspects of strategy and different types of things, and I want to talk about some very rapid fire. It's targeted. Paul says, "I don't, I don't run. I'm not just batting at the air like a boxer who's just swinging wildly. I'm, I target it." Uh, when we started our, our church in Washington D.C., uh, happens to be this church. <laughs> Didn't look like this church back then. Um, uh, we 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 felt this battle. Immediately when we were trying to find our property, we felt the battle. We were here for two or three days, Debbie, me and another couple that were coming to help start the church and and Kiki, who was also a single lady at the time helping start the church, we, we, were, we, were having, we were frustrated for two, three days, and we were running out of time, and we could not find our place. We had an appointment on Capitol Hill and, uh, with Helen Carey Real Estate, and uh, we pulled into the little parking lot, and I told Kiki, go inside and tell Helen that we are going to pray For a few minutes before we come in. (laughs) And so Kiki came back in and got in the car. And we started praying. And when we started praying. I sensed in my spirit. I sensed in the Holy Spirit. This this big strong demonic prince. Who was just laughing at us. You can call me crazy if you wish. But that's fine. Laughing at us. And saying so many have tried to do what you're doing. He was like we were cute. Well. Well. There's a, there's a scripture that talks about God laughing. And I, I banged the, I banged the dashboard and I started praying. The car started rocking. We started steaming up the windows. We went to war. I said, let me tell you something. We're, we're not leaving. We are not going to leave here. We are going to do this and we are in your face in Jesus name. And I mean, we went at it. That's what I'm talking about. Spiritual war. Well, yeah. Now. Obviously, the Lord had it set up providentially that we were going to find our property in the next few, next, uh, few minutes. But within two hours, we had both properties we needed to start the church. <laughs> targeted. We, we were, needed property. We were experiencing opposition. We targeted our prayer. Secondly, it's bold and it's direct. We didn't pray a petition prayer. We didn't say, I didn't say, okay, everybody assume the prayer position. Now, that's good. I do that sometimes. That's a good position, by the way. Sometimes when I'm beseeching the Lord, I just say, oh, Lord, you know. But we didn't do that. I said, I feel there's this spirit. It's coming at us, and I want us to shoot our missiles right at it. Let's go for it right here. Let's start praying. And we boldly spoke to it. Jesus at one point said it, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed. He didn't say, say Lord, there's a mountain there. Would you please remove it? That's petition. He said, you move in Jesus' name. You see that? You see the difference? So we speak to it boldly, directly. Where's the boldness coming from? Not from Mark, but the fact that I'm about to use the name of Jesus. Amen. He, Jesus spoke directly to demons. Remember the Gadarene demon? And, and they, you know, the demons were begging him because he was telling them to come out. And, you know, he spoke directly to them. Sometimes you got to speak directly. I had, uh, one of my children was in a crisis, um, grown child at that time. And, uh, I was in bed and I was lying there and I was worried. And, and all of a sudden I just said, I'm, I said, I got to pray. So I got up and I went into the living room and I went into prayer mode and I started speaking to the things that I saw that had my uh, child grown child, uh, in its grasp. And I said, okay, we're having it out right now. And we went at it. And I whisper, pray, I whisper shout it for the next 15, 20, 30 minutes. Because Debbie was asleep and other people were asleep, I think, at that time in the house. So I'm walking around saying, no, in Jesus' name, you are not going to have her. You are not going to have Do you understand me? In Jesus' name, you're not going to have her. You let her go. And I started talking like that. And wow, power, authority, boldness came on me from the Holy Spirit. And then after about 30, 40 minutes, it lifted. I yawned. I went back to bed. The next day I got up and I started enacting my plan to extricate her. And it took a while, but we won. We won. It's spiritually discerned. Uh, there's two kinds of people that really get it wrong. One, everything's a demon. You met somebody like that. Everything's a demon. It's like, Please stand back. And this is pre COVID. Would you please stand a little further back? You're scaring me. Or the other people, nothing's a demon. And we need to know, you know, everybody's tires go flat, different things happen. Not everything is the devil. None of us are that important. But when you get involved in a mission, you know, then you might have some opposition. Um, we need to be able to discern. Remember, uh, the king of uh, Syria said, Hey, I want to know on his, he had his staff together. I want to know who you are, are telling, uh, the enemy what's going on in our staff meetings. And they said, it's not us. It's that prophet Elisha, uh, the Holy spirit. they didn't say the Holy spirit, but the spirit tells him what the king says in his bedroom. Uh, that's the church guys. He says, he, he pours the Holy spirit upon us. Why? so that we get in a good mood it's for the mission it's for souls it's for war amen praise the Lord um I'm gonna move on uh I'm not gonna use that illustration all right so prayer that wins the city involves warfare secondly it involves weapons if you're gonna go to war you got to have weapons. When I was a young man, 18, I went to a war. They actually called it a conflict. It was called the Vietnam Conflict. And I found out when I got there that, that conflicts were very much like wars. <laughs> that guys were shooting at one another, you know. I felt like Butch Casting and Sundance Kid, you know. And I looked at my buddy and said, hey, these guys are trying to kill us. It was my introduction to geopolitical, uh, the geopolitical landscape. I thought, time out, you know, don't bother us. We won't bother you. Let's, you know, let's get through this. Uh, no, no, there was war, but they gave me an M 16. It was frozen. Didn't work. It had sand in it. It was a mess. I worked on it for two hours. That gun never misfired for me. Uh, but anyway, we have weapons. What are our, what are our weapons? Paul says in in verse 4, the weapons of our warfare. Would you say that? The weapons of our warfare. They're not of the flesh. Once again, they're not physical. How much of the church is trying to fight this battle in the flesh? It ain't going to work. Trying to bring the glory of God on an ox cart doesn't work. Doesn't work, guys. Hallelujah. So uh, he says they're not... flesh but they have divine power to destroy strongholds a stronghold is when an enemy has all the time at his disposal to create a defense that he believes is impregnable and god says i'm going to give my church the weapons to tear that up amen so spiritual weapons First of all, when do you get your weapon? You usually get your weapon when they start training you, or then when you get to combat, they give you your actual weapon, and that's the first thing they do. Well, when do we get our weapons? Well, we get them in the Great Commission. Would you say the Great Commission? Thank you so much. The Great Commission. It's not a great idea. It's a commission. It's a command. It's what Jesus Christ has designed the church to do used to have guys come through and say, Hey, how many of you know God's doing a new thing in the earth? No. I mean, he may be opening new countries and doing new things. He's doing the same thing he said to the disciples. Go into all the world. And we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. Go into all the world. And he gives us our weapons. And it's two things. It's the gospel. Make disciples. How do you make a disciple? Teach them everything I command it. Not everything I suggest it. It's like... We think, oh, Moses gave commands, Jesus was a flower child, and he said, hey, listen, I love you, be cool. No, he gave us commands, go into all the world, make disciples. The way we do that is teaching them his commands, and lo, I will be with you always. That's the power and presence of the resident Lord of the church, the Holy Spirit. We have two weapons, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the spirit of Jesus Christ. And with those two weapons, we cannot be defeated. This is why the enemy is so happy to direct people to angels, to direct people to visions, to direct people to dreams, to direct people to every kind of fantasy that he can come up with. And and they have conferences and they run hither and they run yon. When Jesus Christ said, go make disciples and I'm giving you the tools and the weapons to do it. This is what we got to do. So that's, we got the weapon of the gospel we got the weapon of the Spirit. Notice he says that these weapons have power. And not just any kind of power. You know, if you got a pop gun, did you ever remember those? When I was a child, they actually had a pop guns. So you put a cork in the end of it, had a little string, and you hit the trigger after you pumped it, and the, the cork would come out, and it would dangle there on the string. Not terribly exciting. <laughs> Even as a child, it's like, okay... cap pistol was a little more interesting or a cap rifle, you know, because it made smoke and it and it smelled and it had some gunpowder in it. But a pop gun? I don't think my parents ever insulted me with a pop gun. Thank, <laughs> thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> divine power. Do you know what divine power is? God. <laughs> it's not like God's here and he's got a big storehouse of power over here. This is the way Christians think sometimes, you know. No, if, if you're going to have divine power, you've got to have him. That's why he said, I'm with you till the end of the age. And it's important to know that he's with you. If you get out there in combat, and you're down, let's say, down in D.C. trying to start a church, and you're Stephen uh, Law. Yeah? And, and, and you wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, and you feel all this stuff coming on you. It's important that you don't just have a little a storage bin of power. It's important that you don't have a cap rifle, or even a pop rifle, or even a rifle rifle. It's important that you have God with you. Because you and Jesus Christ make a majority wherever you are. No matter how surrounded you are. Praise the name of the Lord. He said, uh, um, oh wow. He said it's divine uh, power, and it comes from the divine authority, and it it comes from God... Saying, I'll endorse that. You see, for us to get God to be with us, we have to do His program, not ours. It's extremely important. Paul wrote this For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it, singular, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. How do we win people to Jesus Christ? The gospel. And the gospel is, you are desperately in your sins. You are worthy of death, hell, and the grave. Not, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's later. That's later. That's a good thing, but no. it's First, it is, you are desperately, you are about to go over a cliff. And not only are you going to go over a cliff, but that cliff is going to take you in to a place of darkness Forever. Salvation is a desperate thing. God would not have had to send his son from infinity to come and save us if, if our sin wasn't awful. If we weren't in desperate straits. We've got to quit. This is not Disney gospel. This is Jesus Christ God. This is bloody cross gospel. This is death and resurrection gospel. This is take up your cross and follow me daily gospel. This is the kind of gospel that Satan is, is scared to death is going to get out. Hallelujah. It's what built this church. So power. Jesus said it's not for, I mean, he told them, go to Jerusalem and wait. They said, are we, are you about to do the end time stuff we've been waiting for? You know, we've been studying those end time books. We've been over to the bookstore. We bought some of the latest stuff. It's really cool. What do you say, Jesus? He said, look, it's not even for you to know. And yet, we got people still chasing that stuff. People buying books about it, buying books about the Nephilim in the Old Testament. You know how much we know about the Nephilim? Nothing. Don't buy a book on it. I can tell you that right now. Buy a blank book. The Nephilim. We just know the name. God have mercy. So, <laughs> oh well. Wow. Oh my goodness. He said, it's not for you to know the times of the season. The father has fixed by his own th- authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on me. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, Satan has a hard time recogniz- recognizing who's who. Because there's this big, ooh. You know, I'm standing there throwing my little punch, and right behind me is Jesus. Wow. I had a guy who was going to beat me up. I won't tell you why, but he was going to beat me up. He was about two or three years older than me, about 20, 30 pounds bigger than me. And he said, I want to meet you outside after school. I'm going to beat you up. And I assessed the situation. And I said, if I go there by myself, he's going to beat me up. I'll get one punch in because I was, I, I knew how to punch, but I would lose. I knew it. So I went to a couple of my friends and I said, Hey, I need you to come with me. So when I showed up, there he was, but there was behind me. That's a good lesson, right? That's how we fight guys right there. We make sure Jesus is with us. So he gives us, uh, the mission. The gospel provides us with a mission, the gospel, Provides us with the rules of engagement. When you're at war, you have rules of engagement. We're going to this village. We have civilians there. We're going to be careful. Do not fire unless you're fired upon. And do not fire if a civilian is in your range of fire. Rules of engagement. We have rules of engagement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Christians, if you like to post ugly things online, you're not being Christian. And you're disobeying your Lord's direct commands. You're wrecking your witness. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. And, you're, and you are detracting your own soul. Rules of engagement. We fight our battles through the gospel and through the spirit. Many today are choosing other weapons and other missions. Earlier in the same chapter, Paul wrote this. He said... If somebody shows you a different Jesus, another Jesus, or a different spirit, or a different gospel, he said, you take it really well. I thought, wow, a different Jesus, different gospel, different spirit. Welcome to the United States of America. How about we go for the one that the Bible gives us? Amen? Amen. Uh, I had a friend, I've been privileged to pastor a lot of different people over the years, and this uh, fellow was in the special forces. And every once in a while, he would disappear. His wife couldn't tell. She didn't know where he went. She said, "I can't. he can't tell me. And then he would come back after a few days. So I was talking with him, and I said, "Uh, are you going on missions? And he said, no. He said, but I'm going to help prepare them for missions. And I said, well, what do you do? He says, I can't really tell you. He said, but I will tell you this. I provide lethality. I thought, oh, you're a bad man. <laughs> wow. I provide lethality. Listen, friends, the gospel and the spirit provide us with lethality, with weapons that destroy the demonic over people's hearts and minds and destroy the lies that have been lodged in their souls. And only the gospel, except no substitutes. Lastly, third, prayer that wins the city involves spiritual objectives. There's a reason we're fighting. Verse 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Do you see the objective in there? Paul shows us our objective. In this passage, he shows us what victory looks like. We say, have we won the city? Uh, We'll know. We'll be able to know. Our spiritual objective is this. That every person becomes captive to Jesus Christ. Captive to obey him. Uh, The great uh, great Martin Luther um had flaws he had flaws um in fact every great man of god has had flaws except jesus christ okay so they do good they do some evil but anyway he he did some amazing things including the the reformation <laughs> which is off the charts but anyway he um <laughs> god have mercy He wrote a book uh, called uh, The um, Bondage of the Will. It's not easy reading. It's not light reading. His ultimate point is simply this. You're either a slave of the devil or a slave of Jesus Christ. You're either captured by Christ or you're captured by the devil. And the notion of free will... Is an illusion. Being captive to Satan leads to a false freedom and death. Yeah, you can finally take that drug you want. Wow. And then you start deteriorating. You can you can drink all you want. You start deteriorating. You can have all this you know relationships you want. It start deteriorating and you come undone. You can have all the money you want, and then your God lets you down. That's false freedom. Jesus Christ is, seems like a bondage, but no, it is freedom because you become who you were created to be. You become free to be what you were created to be, and you become filled with the Holy Spirit with righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. So we're either giving our will over here or we're giving our will over there. So every thought, ca- we're bringing people to be captives. The progression of winning is this. We win over the demonic... And then we went through moral excellence because people will begin to listen to us because of our excellence, our humility, our servanthood. You want to just foghorn off all day on the Internet? Nobody's going to listen to you. You might as well go out into the backyard at 12 o'clock midnight and speak to the moon. You don't listen to them, do you? No. It's like, oh, there she goes off again. What good are we doing? You take that same energy, go into your room and begin to intercede, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, when you come out, you got something to say that's worthwhile. And you may have prayed someone into the kingdom. So, it's through our humility, it's through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, we win the intellectual battle, we win the cultural battle, we win the relational battle, we win the arguments. Paul says, We are tearing down these speculations. We're tearing down these arguments. Those don't win people, but they bring people. They're a bridge, they're a pathway. Uh, uh, Dr. Tim Keller has had people come and say intellectually, I, I just can't accept the gospel, but I want to, why did they want to? Because they see the moral excellence. They see the beauty of Christ and they're drawn. And if we can begin to answer plausibly their questions and their cynicism and their doubts, which we ought to be able to do, they will come to Jesus Christ and they will love him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we win the demonic and then we start working on their minds. We, we make Christ beautiful because he is the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And whoever captures souls is wise. What if all of us became soul cat? We, we learned to capture souls instead of complaining on the internet. What if we started doing that? People start being attracted to you because you love them. You don't moralize constantly. You're not person, your lips at them constantly. Let them be what they are. Love them and bring them to Christ. Amen. The call of the church. I'm going to close with this. Matthew at 16. Jesus said, who do you say I am? You remember the conversation. Finally, Peter says, you're the Christ. Which was profound because he was saying, you are God incarnate. Can you imagine saying that to another human being? You are God incarnate. And Jesus said on that revelation... I'm not Roman Catholic on that revelation. I will build my church. I will build my church. You want to know what Christ is up to these days? Building his church. You can go for all, anything you want. Go for the, give your life to this, that, and the other. But if you want to do what Jesus is doing, he's building his church. That's why Debbie and I didn't retire. And we said, we want to, We want to do something our last 10 years. We want to run harder our last 10 years, our last 15 years, our last 20 years, however long we have. than we did our first 10, 15, 20 years. Because we want to be doing what Jesus is doing, which is building his church. By the way, he does that out of human beings. That's the brick and the mortar. That's the brick. So he says, "Um, I'm going to build my church and here's what the church is going to do. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Gates are a defensive barricade. They're not an offensive weapon. that it, they're not an offensive weapon. A gate, the gates of Hell, not only represent the authority of Hell, but they represent, represent the citadel of Hell. And in order to tear the gates of hell down, we have to go there. It's an offensive maneuver. We don't sit here waiting and saying, okay, what's the devil going to do? Uh, we don't sit here waiting for the gates of hell. No, we attack the gates of hell. When we go into Washington, D.C. that is rife with cynicism and intellectualism and politicism and you name itism. You name everything that's going on in there. We are going in to attack the gates of hell. Amen. Amen. We are picking a fight. Wow. We're going to war. And I'll tell you what, it took me a long time not to be scared about that. Seriously, you know, I came here and I thought, Mark, you've made a huge mistake. You've made a lot of mistakes in your life. Here's another one. And said, no, no, I got to get faith. And you wrestle until you get faith. You may be sitting here tonight thinking, oh man, I'm scared to death, Mark. I'm brand new. Da, da, da. Hang out. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Keep being discipled. And all of a sudden. Spirit will be on you. And you'll say, not today, buddy. You're not taking my mom. You're not taking my friend. You're not taking my sister. You're not taking my brother. In Jesus' name, get out! Be gone. And you'll have the authority to do it because you will know your God. And the book of Daniel says those who know their God will be mighty and do exploits. I think, is that Daniel? The church is called to a hostage rescue operation. Paul says, when he was called, God said this, I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. This is what he said to Paul, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. For the creation is subject to futility because because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself would be set free from bondage and corruption to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. You and I are the ones who are going to set creation free through Jesus' name and the people who follow us. God's agenda has always been to capture people. Psalm 2. I will tell of a decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth, your possession. The church has, is called to fulfill that psalm. He said, go into all the world. Get the nations. Set them at my feet. The Father has decreed it. Who is going to get these nations? The church. That's what the Great Commission is all about, guys the father has promised the son, the nations we, the church are commissioned to go and get the nations for him. That is part of the heart and soul of grace covenant church. You can see there's no room for racism in there. Is there, we want every tribe, every kindred, every tongue. We want everybody. Sinner, saint, ain't. We don't care. You're not safe if you're a human being. We want to win you. I'll close with this. As Great Britain entered World War II, on May 13, 1940, in his first speech to the House of Commons after being given the prime ministership, Winston Churchill laid out his administration's objective for war against Hitler and the German Axis, which threatened their very lives and existence. He said, This, you ask what is our policy? I can say it is to wage war by sea, land, and air with all our might and with all the strength that God can give us. To wage war against a monstrous tyranny, never surpassed in the dark, lamentable catalog of human crime. That is our policy. You ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word. It is victory. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory, however long and hard the road may be. Your man or woman here watching online, how about taking up that call for Jesus Christ? I don't care about the terror. We don't care how long the road I'm signing up. I'm becoming a foot soldier in the army of God. Jesus command to his church in the earth is no less than what Churchill declared. He requires unconditional surrender. He expects total victory. That is the object of our warfare. That is the call of the church of Jesus Christ. That's the object of prayer that wins the city. Though we love our neighbors, ourselves, and strive to treat every person with the kind of love and care and respect the gospel demands, our battle is not against them, it is for them. But our goal is to utterly destroy the demonic powers over human lives and through the gospel to bring every heart and every mind into full captivity to obedience to Jesus Christ. That's our objective. And he's given us the weapons to do it. Let's pray. Father, speak to us. With all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed, is there someone in the room tonight who has not been following Jesus Christ and you're ready to sign up? You've been, you don't know who you are, perhaps. You, maybe you've been living in fear. You're ready to step out of that and step into this war for Jesus Christ. He will give you the power to do it. Would you lift your hand and put it back down? Is anybody here like that? Hold it up long enough for us to see. Can't see. Is there anybody? If you're at home and you want to do that, then pray this prayer with me. Or if you're in the room. Lord, I've lived for myself. But now I choose to live for you. I believe in my heart that Jesus died for my sins and that he was raised on the third day. And now he is king over all. I confess him now as my Lord and my Savior. Amen.